Welcome, I am Bree. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, the founder of Femme Fusion Fitness, and the author of Lady Bits, Understand Your Body, Elevate Your Health, and Reclaim Your Spark Naturally. My mission is to build community and awareness around women's wellness and pelvic health. I invite you to listen, laugh, learn about, and love all of the bits that make you whole. Let's go to the show. Welcome back to part two of this amazing interview with Kristen Chronister. If you did not catch last week's uh, part one of this interview, I invite you to go back and check it out. In part one, we talk about finding your voice, the colors of your voice, the vocal and pelvic floor connection. We talk about the breath. We talk about using S and SH sounds versus Z sounds to kind of bring in that breathing and begin in some very basic pelvic floor mobilization and strengthening. This particular segment of our interview, this part two, is one that I invite you to check out the YouTube version as well. So I do have the entire full length, all in one place interview on my YouTube channel where you can view the, the visuals of what Kristen is showing. Because in this particular episode, she's going to show us some really cool exercises that help you massage uh, your head and your jaw and your neck area to kind of get you ready for some of this voice and breath work. She also describes more about the jaw and pelvic floor connection. She does some tongue exercise and kind of massage work. She shows you how to find the hyoid bone and how to begin to release the voice box. She talks about microdosing vocalization training, how you can even sing in supine. There's so much that she covers, but I do think a lot of it is better viewed visually. So go ahead and listen. Absolutely. Keep listening. But if there's anything that you want, that you're kind of curious and wondering about what she actually meant, if you can't really tell via the podcast, please check the show notes because I will put a link to the YouTube version, the video version of our interview in the show notes below. So with that being said, please check the show notes and keep listening for an amazing part two of this two-part interview with Kristen Chronister. Um, I had a colleague and a friend of mine who once said that singing, <laughs> singing high always made her feel closer to God. Yeah. And I'm a mezzo-soprano and I never felt that way. <laughs> singing high was like, oh my God, this is a lot of work. Uh, my vocal cords are thicker and, and, and longer. And so that's the physics of it is it, it can be um, different for different folks. Right. So I want to put that out there. High for me is different than high for others, mm -hmm. vice versa. Mm -hmm. But in general, the folds do lengthen. They, they do. The, um, I'm showing with my hands. Right. Mm -hmm. And they lengthen, they, they tilt downward and lengthen if they're running this way mm -hmm. in between. And this is the front of your neck. Mm -hmm. They will tilt down and lengthen to make different sounds. Okay. Lengthening tightens them. It pulls tightens them. them. Connected mm -hmm. from front to back, right? Mm -hmm. So they're connected from front to back and they're doing this. It's like a rubber band. Mm -hmm. you're, you're pulling the rubber band tauter and then you can, if you did it with an actual rubber band, you would actually hear pitches. Mm -hmm. And as you relax them, the pitch then lowers, right? Wow. The looser the, the hold, mm -hmm. the more relaxed, and the lower the pitch. So you're absolutely right that when you're thinking of lowering and relaxing the pelvic floor, you're thinking of relaxing the folds, but what it ends up, what it really 
really and truly becomes is not just relaxing the folds, but you're also slowing down the speed of the air coming out. Yeah. So when you can do that, and, and, and this leads into another great functional way to relax the pelvic floor because the zzz will help you lift. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some other exercises you can do little roller coaster vocalizations that can lower the, the, the intensity of not only the breath, but also the, the mechanism so that everything relaxes and it just kind of sits there. Um, and in, in the, the registers, it's usually called chest voice because you'll feel the resonation or the resonance of the, of the voice mm-hmm. in your chest when you're down here, because, and I'll, if I lower my voice even more and come down here, I can really feel resonance here. My kids loved, they're like, mommy speak and be low and lay, they lay on my mm-hmm. chest and they can feel it. And then the higher the voice, you can end up feeling it higher in your head. So um, for anyone listening on the podcast right now, Kristen's actually touching her throat and her head versus touching down on her chest. And I'm wanting to experiment with this. Maybe we can all experiment with this a little bit. Like how, so I have, I have a very high pitched voice. So I feel that I feel it a lot in my throat and I can, you know, I can sense the feeling in my, in my head too. So how do I bring it down? Oh, I, I guess I'm doing it right now. You oh, are. Oh, yes, I am. You are. And <laughs> yes, I am. so it's, it's so funny because my, when I had vocal cord surgery, um, uh-huh. my, and, and this is a thing, this is a thing that singers learn. You learn to speak in your resonance, right? So Brie, your resonance is higher and that's mm-hmm. exactly where your voice wants to be. And I talked earlier about that ball resting on the breath. If mm-hmm. that's where your voice is, that's mm-hmm. where your voice is. Yeah. But it definitely can benefit from that relaxation getting lower. Yeah. Um, what what I found when I was doing um, speech therapy after my voice surgery, I realized that I was speaking too high. I was up here a lot because that's how the other women sounded. Uh-huh. Trying to be like all of the other women. And uh, I really worked on speaking more into my resonance, riding the breath while I'm speaking. And if I really did that all the time, my sister would make fun of me because I sounded like a phone operator. Uh-huh. And I had this sort of, Phone voice. She'd be like, oh my gosh, just talk like a regular person. But what it does, it really does relax things down. So a couple of exercises that you can do for this. And and I I preface that many, many, many people would benefit from, everyone would benefit from um, a set of muscular relaxation massages before you do any of these things. So the breath is important, but I'll be honest, you can have the most relaxed breath in the world and then... You, you go to sing or speak and everything tightens up, that breath isn't going to help you because now all the muscles are, are too tight. Mm. So relaxing, actually relaxing and, and doing whether it's myofascial release, face yoga, anything like that. And, and we can do um, some face massages here and, and throat mm-hmm. massages um, together. But um, that also will help set up what we're about to do mm-hmm. in a, it, it, it's, it's like stretching before you exercise. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of this as yoga. I mean, everybody could benefit from a, almost everybody can benefit from a yoga practice. And this is really what we're doing right now is voice yoga. And it helps relax our, what we're going to be moving into right now helps relax our pelvic floor. And I always say, even though I don't like making blanket statements, pretty much anybody 
pelvic organ prolapse, bladder leakage, pelvic pain and tension, pretty much whatever pelvic health issue you're dealing with, almost everybody can benefit from actually starting with relaxing the pelvic floor rather than going straight to Kegel exercises. And, you know, I, I love me a good Kegel, but I think that almost everyone can benefit from relaxing first. So are, 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 are we going to go through some, some voice yoga? Yeah, we can. I mean, Let's it, do it. So I think if we start, I would like to start with more face massage because I don't want to, I don't want to set the precedent that you can just go into the, and you can, you can do any of these things, however you want. It's your body, um, know yourself. But what I have found most beneficial for any kind of activation here, especially if I'm trying to relax the folds, is to massage and, and get the, the body ready. Um, and another thing. Kristen, really quickly, I just wanted to let you know that for our podcast listeners who are audio only, we'll try our best to describe what we're doing as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, so important thing with first singing, as you can imagine, is posture. Um, and to, to put the, to allow your body to be a base of support for this area that wants to be suspended, right? It wants mm -hmm. to be like this. And when you see opera singers who are really, really good, they look like they're talking and yet they are not. Yeah. Um, they are making a tremendous sound. And yet somehow it just looks like they're saying it like this and maybe sometimes opening their mouth longer, but generally it's because they have this base of support. So getting your base of support is incredibly helpful. So if you're standing, widen the base of support, keep your knees unlocked. If you're sitting, make sure you're sitting on your sits bones, make sure your, your pelvis is not anteriorly uh, okay. tilted, mm -hmm. which I do all the time. Mm -hmm. um, really bring it in. Make sure you're engaging your abdominal muscles without sucking in. But really align your body in the most, as as we would say in transcend, in your most perfect leading lady, queen like and leading lady fashion. Exactly. <laughs> your leading lady. What would she look like? And this is this is a good place to start. So starting there, um, you start up from the top. So from a massage perspective you're moving your way down from your forehead down into your neck. So if you start at your forehead and you massage around your temples with little circular movements with the pads of your fingers, it, it's not an exact science. This is not something that, um, you know, and it can be tailored for whatever you feel. And intuitively, if you find a spot that needs more work, by all means, go for it. I, I tend to have a very open third eye, but I know that in between your eyebrows can be a very tense place for some people. Work on that. Think about it. Um, if you think about sound, it travels upward and outward. Your face, your head, your chest, but mainly up in your face and your neck and your head is where the voice vibrates and creates the colors of your voice. So you want this area to be engaged, elastic, buoyant. Mm -hmm. And as you move down your face, engage those cheekbones by lightly tapping. And, and you can do actual tapping or just walk your fingers along the, the top part of your um, cheekbones below your eyes. Kind of open your nose a little bit. Engage the sinuses. But what you're, what you're not doing is pressing or pulling anything. Mm. You're just waking the muscles up to let them know we're about to do some stuff that maybe we don't normally do. Okay. So we're doing gentle little taps, gentle little massages all along the, the cheekbones, the jaw muscles, the temples. Okay. Yeah. As you get down to the jaw, this is an important piece, right? So the jaw, the neck, and the tongue are very integrated. Mm -hmm. Your tongue is one of, I, 
I don't know if it's the strongest muscle. I heard it was. Uh, it's pretty darn strong. It's very strong. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's very nuanced. So think of the language that you're using all the time and all of those unique vowel sounds. Just honor that your tongue does a lot of work. Mm -hmm. When the tongue is very tense, and we'll get there, it can pull on your jaw. So we don't start with stretching the tongue. We start by loosening the jaw mm. right up in here, like right. At, and you can feel that the part of your jaw where it connects to your cheekbone, mm -hmm. right, right at that ear level in your cheeks and start by opening. So you'll feel the hinge joint of your jaw open. If you, if you feel with your fingertips next to your ear, that little ear, um, area. <laughs> I can't remember what the ear area is called, but you'll feel that hinge joint of the jaw when you open and close your jaw. Yes. Uh -huh. And those of us with pelvic dysfunction uh -huh. or pelvic health issues may find that our jaw is extremely tense. And this is really common. Um, I have a little bit of a clicking TMJ on one side. I always have, but I find that it goes away the more frequently I do these exercises mm -hmm. and these massages. So what you're doing is opening, what I would like to do now is open with, with that kind of support and pressure of your fingers on your jawbone and on that hinge, open your mouth as wide as you can and then release it back up and do that once or twice. <laughs> and doing that, what that does is it starts to stretch muscles that you don't usually stretch because as you notice, even while I'm speaking, your mouth stays very small. Yeah. You don't, I mean, I have an elastic face, <laughs> very <laughs> elastic face. So, you know, my eyes get really big. My mouth gets really big. That's just, I don't know why I do that, but it does. Other people don't, don't do that. And if you find that you stay very small, that releasing your jaw this way. Just opening your mouth for anyone who's listening, simply opening your mouth. Mm -hmm. As far as it can go without pressing, it can feel very, oh, like, oh, I've looser, I've loosened up maybe the back of my neck. Mm -hmm. things like that. So you've, now that we've loosened up the jaw hinge, I want you to take your thumbs directly under the line of your jaw. Mm -hmm. So my jaw, I, I have, um, I don't have the ideal singer jaw because my jaw, well, it's a little bit more double chinny these days than it was before, <laughs> but it, it is, it is tighter here. So I have, a, I have a lot of tongue tension. I have a lot of neck tension as well. Just, I think genetically, mm -hmm. it's just the way I'm built. So this really helps to loosen that. So you're, you're coming just under the jaw, right, right at the, the corner back there by your, by your ear mm -hmm. and then moving and it'll be, I'll do it. And um, after I explain it, because I, I'm now getting into the area of my tongue mm -hmm. and the more I press on my tongue, the less you'll be able to understand me. Yeah. But you're moving the, the you're pressing towards that, that chin right under the jawline so that you're re releasing under here. Okay, so Kristen's moving forward with her thumb along her under the under part of her jawline. So right mm -hmm. under the jaw toward the chin on the right. underside, just pressing right. gently with her thumbs. And then now you can feel this with your thumb right here under your chin, that right in the middle, not near your jawline, but right under it, that's the muscle of Oh the my gosh. I have never explored this. Goodness gracious. So right now for anyone listening, Kristen's just literally pressing upward with her thumb right underneath the meat, <laughs> I guess you'd say, of her underside of her chin, like not the bone part, but behind the bone part of the chin, 
that meaty area. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll do the, I'll do my frog face so you can see what I'm talking about. This is my tongue. Mm. If I've depressed it. Right. So you see how, how big it can be. And, and you don't have to do that, but is as a visual, you can see there's a, there's, your tongue is big. It's, it's and it goes down way further than you think. But this is an important one because what this does, and we've loosened the jaw, which is important, but the reason most of us get jaw tension, personally, my opinion, is that if we're tight back here, mm-hmm. we're also tongue locked. Mm. That can come from wanting to speak, but not speaking. Mm-hmm. It can come from the way Americans speak. I mean, I, and I'm an American. And if you're not, if you're an Italian, you generally will have less tongue tension because of the way they speak. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the American tongue is very tense. So you, you move this and you're just taking your thumbs and massaging it like, like your shoulder muscle. And it's smaller, so you're not going to take your hand and beat it. But that's essentially what you're doing with your thumb. You're just baking it massages. up. Well, and I just want to draw anyone's attention right now to the fact that the deep front line from Thomas Meyer's Anatomy Trains it connects the entire, every area that we've just massaged (laughs) and then down through the neck and kind of upper shoulder muscles, but mostly the neck muscles down through the trunk of the body, through the pelvic floor and the hip muscles and the inner thighs down to the feet. It's all connected. And it starts up at the jaw and these neck muscles that we're massaging right now. So all of this massage work that you're doing to loosen up these areas is going to be helping all the way down that train of connective tissue through your pelvic floor and hips and to your feet. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We're fighting gravity all the time. Yeah. And what the lower part of the body is doing is a tremendous amount of support for us. The pelvic floor is like, I mean, it's just so important. But when you think about the fact that air doesn't come in from the pelvic floor, it comes in from here. Mm-hmm. If this area is very tight and locked. It's really hard to get that deep life, life, uh, nice and low breath that you want. So these massages aren't just, I mean, it, it, yes, it's, it's muscularly letting go, but it's also opening your body to receive the air that it needs yeah. to function better. Yeah, absolutely. So as we've gone through the tongue, we've come down through the face, we've massaged the tongue. This is the tricky part, but it's an important part. Um, there's a bone right at the base of your tongue. Mm. You might feel it. It's a U-shaped bone. Uh, it's open in the back, so you're not going to be able to feel the back of it. That's the back of the trachea. But it starts back here, and it circles around like a, like a horseshoe right here at the base of the tongue. That's the hyoid bone. It is the only bone in the body not connected to another bone. It is literally suspended by muscle and connective tissue and your tongue. So we've loosened the tongue. um, And I forgot one piece that we can do, and and I'll show it later, but um, to loosen the tongue even more. And I think it's called lion's breath in yoga. Oh, I love lion's breath. I've done it in lots of my videos. You stick your tongue out and you go. (sighs) Mm -hmm. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to do that after I've done all of this. Um, but it's a t- another tongue exercise, mm-hmm. but the hyoid bone, if you move, if you find it and you locate it directly below it should be a little bit of space, kind of like space in your vertebra between your vertebra, that kind of like nice little space generally. And mine even today is tight. Uh, I go, my hyoid bone feels very close to my larynx, which is directly below it. Mm-hmm. 
what we want to do is to relax the larynx away from that hyoid bone just a little mm. so that it has that that cushy space in between the bone and the, the larynx so that the larynx can tilt as it's as it as it needs to if it's too close to the bone it's too tight so I feel like this is a very intuitive thing that I've never done this exercise what Kristen is showing us right now and I feel like I can do it without even knowing what I'm doing. So if anyone is participating with us and feeling that the, the, the hyoid bone, which is floating in your neck, essentially <laughs> the top of your neck and what you just said about relaxing the larynx away from it. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I would, I, I want to know what, how you would instruct people, but I would say, don't overthink it. Like just sort of let it happen. Right. Absolutely. And you can kind of feel it. Even if you don't know what's happening, you can just sort of let it happen. Absolutely. And it's your body. What you're doing here isn't going to harm you in any way. You're, mm -hmm. you're really discovering something about your body. Mm -hmm. and, and you know when it's not right. Mm -hmm. um, and if you overthink it, that's, I mean, I'm like the, the best example of overthinking. <laughs> No good will come from that. So yeah, exactly. You're, what you're doing is taking your, your pointer finger and your thumb, you're massaging that in-between space and then kind of pulling gently down mm -hmm. on that larynx until it lifts itself back up. Mm -hmm. So you might be able to see. Yeah. And just so everyone remembers, the larynx is the tube that brings air to the lungs. And then the pharynx, the esophagus brings the food to the belly. The, the larynx brings the, the uh, air to the lungs. That's right. Mm -hmm. Larynx is actually. It's more the in, voice box, I guess, isn't it? The yes. larynx is the voice box. Yes. The larynx is the voice box, which is in the trachea. The trachea. Yeah. Which goes to the lungs. Okay. But it's exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. it, it's what brings air down into the lungs. Mm -hmm. And then what brings air up and directly behind it. Mm -hmm. so this is your windpipe. We call it, let's call it the windpipe. Windpipe. That's the word I was looking for. Windpipe. Yes. Our windpipe. Wind mm -hmm. Direct, directly behind it is your esophagus that goes into your stomach. Mm -hmm. So they're very closely related. Um, you may also find that eating spicy food or eating late at night might give you acid reflux, which will then impact your vocal cord health. Mm -hmm. They're so closely related. Yeah. It's a totally different conversation. Yeah. But after you've relaxed this larynx a couple of times and you've let it like lower and you'll see my, my throat is a little, you know, red from it. That's not mm -hmm. a bad thing. That's, that's a, you know, I'm just activating blood cells there. Mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll get now to the original question yeah. of how do we relax the vocal cords yeah. uh, vocalizing? Um, I like to use a raspberry, which is, and you need a certain amount of tension the reason I like it is because it, it, it pulls the thought, the tongue out of the way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't let the tongue have anything to do with the vocal production. Um, even though it, it does, but it relaxes it. It kind of brings it out like a, like a dog. And you also need a certain amount of lip tension in order to close around the tongue, which engages the mouth to direct the air out. And all of this can be done without vocalization and vocalization is when your cords actually come together they create a little buzzing sound in your throat which then resonates through your head mm -hmm. so the buzzing sound is what we want at a very low pitch so what i'm going to do you may not even be able to tell that i'm doing what i call roller coasters or mm -hmm. and 
these are not trademarked terms. They are vocal, like widely known vocal terms, right? Little roller coasters where you're going up and down with the pitches. Doesn't matter what you're singing. Doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't even matter if what I'm doing low is comfortable for you or not. You find that low kind of comfortable place. You're not trying to be loud. You're just kind of what this is doing is it actually massages the cords in a very low way with by activating the breath up here. So um, I'll, I'll do a couple and I'll show you what that looks like. And then I'll show you a couple of alter alternatives to this um, if the raspberry doesn't work. Okay. Now, are you roller coastering with your voice? Okay, so I can't, it doesn't really come through, but so your voice is going up and down a little bit. You can hear yeah. it on the side. So if I do a higher version, mm -hmm. you can hear it. Hear that. So, and this is true. This is just a physical thing. The higher the frequency, the faster the air, the sound travels and the, the more likely you are to hear it. So that's why generally it's easier to hear women who are high pitched than it is for men with very, very low voices that mm -hmm. get lost. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll notice that too with people who have hearing loss, they'll lose the lower pitches first because it's easier to hear those higher pitches. Mm -hmm. um, or unless you have tinnitus, which I think you lose the higher pitches because mm -hmm. you always have a high pitch in your head. Mm -hmm. um, so it, just keep that in mind, right? Um, what, what I was just doing was a very low, I mean, very low, and I have a very low voice but it is a very low lilting, like rockabye for your voice. Well, and I want to bring it back to the pelvic floor because again, what, what my understanding is, is when you're doing that lower version, your pelvic floor is a little more relaxed, but when you are doing the higher version, the pelvic floor is also going to be more lifted and a little tighter. And so it's going to help push everything up as well and help make that be more audible and the vocal cords maybe push the sound out a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and and I'll say, right, both are good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as a low singer, I tended to depress my mechanism because mm -hmm. I was singing low, low repertoire. And so I had this kind of very earthy rooted color. And since the prolapse and since recovering and coming through, and, and a lot of this is vocal maturity, but I have found a, a happier balance with my breath and therefore better access to that upper register because I am not so expansive. Mm -hmm. Actually using the pelvic floor to help me, whereas before I was just keeping it constantly depressed. Mm -hmm. And and that's a, that's a thing I think is a possible um, easy place for opera singers to get to because in order to sing those long, 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 long phrases, you have to keep that breathing mechanism as open as you can, as long as you can. And what ends up happening is the pelvic floor absorbs a lot of that pressure. Mm -hmm. um, I actually had a, 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 a masterclass where someone told me that while I was going to go sing some, you know, massive long phrase, she said, just imagine you're pooping. Oh, and I was like, <laughs> for a person with prolapse, this is like, no, I can't do this. This is not a good idea. This right. is not exactly. a good idea. <laughs> exactly. Um, but what I think is really what I've found in, in, in recovering and re rehabbing my own um, voice um, after several years off, and then 
also having this prolapse to navigate for a long time, I was afraid to start singing because even though I know how to relax the, the pelvic floor, the muscle memory is there to depress it. But what you're saying is exactly right, Brie, when you relax it, it just provides that nice buoyancy so that then you can engage it properly mm-hmm. when you want to go up. So if yeah. I'm talking to, and, and I'll bring it to speaking, it doesn't have to be singing. When I'm speaking to my daughter, I don't speak like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could, and I do, but when I'm talking about something happy, I say I'm up here and I'm talking like this. And if your pelvic floor, if all of this is so tight, that isn't going to be, it's not going to feel as good. It's going to feel like you have something in your throat or. Yeah. So learning to relax it down is, is really important to, to accessing more colors in your voice. Oh my gosh. This is, this is blowing my mind because it just ties in so nicely to everything we talk about regarding to pelvic health. You know, you, you need to be able to relax so that you can fully contract. You need to have that full expansion, that full range of motion, and you need it for your voice too, to have the full expression, to be the full version of you, who you are to express all of your emotions and your personality and everything that you want to portray to the world. Um, I want to ask you really quickly about the idea of microdosing. We we've talked about this a little bit about when you do have a pelvic floor issue and you're wanting to use your voice to help rehab your pelvic floor. We talked about the idea in transcend about microdosing the, the the training and, and not diving in and doing like an hour long training session right away. Cause that might be a lot on your pelvic floor. So how would you advise a person to begin some type of vocal training if she has pelvic health issues such as prolapse. Yeah. So microdosing, huge. The idea again, just to back up on that is to start very slow, start with a very small amount of whatever exercise you're doing, whether you're doing vocal exercises or going out for a walk or something like that, do much less than you think you should be able to do. And then you very gradually work up from there. So, so sorry, just to backtrack about what it even is. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, absolutely. And I think this, this applies to any athletics, right? Yeah. So, and, and, you know, all of your programs and everything start that small, that is so helpful for those of us who aren't fitness people to say, Oh, well, I used to be able to do X, Y, and Z and I still can, but then my symptoms get worse. So microdosing in this way for vocalization, um, I don't think you can do it without also building the muscles of your glutes in your core. Yeah. So that's primary. I cannot go back to singing ever mm-hmm. um, in any real way without, um, without more deliberate exercise in those regions than I ever had before. So mm-hmm. I think that's really important to know and to meet yourself where you are. Those muscles they'll, I have found my muscles lose the strength very quickly. Mm -hmm. So that daily, whatever that cocktail of of exercises that you do to keep those muscles engaged, the lower muscles um, that support the pelvic floor, but then also that the core muscles that bring in the air and and to lift everything up, Mm -hmm. all of that, very important. Um, And I start any any kind of singing by making sure I've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that of course ties also in with the breath. So any of the, the physical activity you're doing, make sure that the breath aligns with it. Um, singing is often, okay, it's always done standing up, 
right? It is a very rare moment that you see a singer lay down on a stage and sing. It's possible, but generally not, not the normal way. So you're fighting gravity. So, and, and you actually reminded me of this, Brie, in the Transcend group is to um, get on the floor and get on your back. Yeah, I asked Kristen, I said, could you, because the way we make exercises easier is by doing them on our back, doing them lying down. That's a much easier way to do an exercise than standing up and moving around, walking around, et cetera. And so I said, Kristen, can you sing on your back? And she said, actually, you can. I was shocked. But yeah, yeah. actually, and that's that my very first voice lesson when I was 13 years old. That's what she had me do. She had me lay down. She put a pile of books on my belly and she said, start singing. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> um, and which, what I noticed, and this is a, another thing, if you're a mom and you you remember, or if you actively still see your children crying, you can see their diaphragm moving um, and, and their rib cage opening when they're crying on their back. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing to see that this instinctive method of breathing is there in all of us. Yeah. And as soon as we get on our backs, what happens is we melt, we can melt in, right? We're not, we're not fighting gravity anymore. We're allowing gravity and the floor to support us. We can also feel our backs. Mm. So we have that kind of the, the touch of the floor um, to, to feel that expansive breath in the back body, which is incredibly important. Um, also making sure that your pelvis is in the right place by making, maintaining that neutral spine. Um, so all of that is, is a, a, a way to start with breathing exercises. Some of these whatever it is to doing it on the ground because it allows you to feel that it also distorts your your hearing of your voice mm. um so and this is a i think very important for singers because we're we're so constantly analyzing the sound coming out of our mouths mm -hmm. that if we go into this we say wow i'm not going to really be able to hear myself properly on my back so i'm going to detach myself from what's happening, what it sounds like. And I'm gonna focus on what it feels like. And when you can get to that place, generally singers have a freer sound when they're laying on their backs, even though it feels and sounds to them not good. Mm -hmm. So that's that's where I've started. I, I've, and I'll, I'll admit, I didn't need much time there, yeah. um, but it was important to note that and I, I still think it's important to note there are certain parts of my cycle where I feel a little more funky. Yeah. So I, so instead of singing, standing up, I get on the ground yeah. and I, I can still do the things. And I'll also say it's a better workout, honestly, um, to do it on the ground because I have to really be engaged. Yeah. Well, and you can feel everything so much more. I'm sure you can just feel every aspect of what you're doing. Yeah. So I, I, I want to, gosh, I could talk about this with you all day long, but I, I want to kind of wrap us up with some, I guess, like a summation of what we've covered and kind of how people could use this. Because I'm going to assume that most people listening to us right now probably aren't trained opera singers. And so how could the layperson use this at home? And we've given some great examples. How would you advise someone who maybe has some pelvic health issues? Maybe she's wanting to mobilize her pelvic floor, whether she has too much tension or whether she has some weakness, either way, everything we've talked about is going to help you either way because it helps relax you, but then also help, also helps mobilize everything. So how could she turn this into kind of a routine, maybe a couple days a week or what would you advise Kristen? 
I, I believe in trying something new and trying something different. So especially with pelvic floor issues. Um, so I would suggest adding one or two of these practices that we did today, mm -hmm. primarily working your way up to being able to actually vocalize with this breath work. Um, you don't have to sing, but you can, but um, that will help you have a, a different relationship with your body than you maybe have had it previously. Yeah. It maybe will return you to a part of your life where you did sing. Maybe you sang in choirs or on stage when you were a kid um, or, or before you had kids. And now you're reconnecting with that part of yourself. Um, I would suggest trying some of the things that we did today um, as part, like I said, as part of that cocktail of exercises that you do because singing is exercise. I would even go as so far as to say as speaking is exercise. If you're doing it for a long period of time, like what we're doing today, I'm speaking a lot. I'd say this is exercise. I'm engaging things that I wouldn't be doing if I was just sitting on the couch. Yeah. So to recognize this as another tool in your toolbox that might be a little more fun than like doing your leg lifts on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> that isn't super fun. <laughs> Don't you love the leg lifts? <laughs> I, I do actually. <laughs> I do, and then I hate them at the same time. But it's, it's one of these ways, right, where we can tune into a different part of our body. I think it helps me distract away from my pelvic floor in some ways. Um, another thing that I think is important to, to, to test if you're not comfortable vocalizing, um, to gently do a gentle lift of the pelvic floor, a gentle Kegel, as if you were going to go exercise, as if you were about to engage to bend over, mm -hmm. um, to do that with the breathing that you're doing. And we did this with the channel breathing and transcend brain. It made me think, oh yeah, you could do that while you're breathing like all the time. And that that's a way to to engage the pelvic floor in a way that is light and gentle. And then, um, you know, while you're speaking to think maybe I, if I lift my pelvic floor, what does that do to my, my yeah. voice? And, and, you know, play around, play, play. with some of these things. And I think that will have way more impact than anything else that you could do. If you were just sticking straight to the, the bulleted list of here's what my PT told me, yeah. I think there's tremendous amount else out there. And I also believe full heartedly that using your voice more frequently for yourself, not for other people, but for yourself allows you to fall in love with the way you sound. Yeah. And that might make you feel a little bit more comfortable opening up that speech in other areas of your life. Oh, I so agree. And it's, it's such a, it can be such a release. I know that I have done some emotional release work, emotional healing work where I had to really tell myself and remind myself, okay, I'm alone right now. Nobody's listening. And I just allowed myself to vocalize and sounds came out that I was sort of surprised were coming out of my body, but it was very healing. It was very therapeutic to just let this let this out. And it's, it's very, we, we hold emotions in our pelvic floor and pelvic area. And we hold emotions up here in our neck, shoulders, chest, and throat. And so using this powerful tool to exercise our, you know, throat and neck area, but also our pelvic floor, but also release emotion is really healing. Absolutely. I, I can't speak to the 
um, to how much more important the functional exercise is vital, has to be there, yeah. right? For my, for my pelvic floor issues, but the emotional work that it has caused me to really explore has, has been the most tremendous for my healing process. And again, I think using your voice is a, is a tool. It's not the only way, but, um, it is certainly a primal way to get in touch with yourself with really minimal effort Mm -hmm. and minimal repercussions. If you don't do it right, because there is no right or wrong. It's just, it, it exists. So yeah, I think it's probably pretty hard to hurt yourself. It's possible. It's possible. But I think it's probably pretty hard to hurt yourself or to screw up some of the information that we've shared today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, if, if this was a group of singers, I yeah. probably like I probably but but even then, um, singers, it's so funny. Every time I go to a doctor, a new doctor, they'll they'll say at the end, are you a are you a doctor? Are you a physician? Are you a nurse? I'm like, what? No. And they say, well, you just have this awareness of your body that I don't usually see. And I say, well, I was an opera singer. So my body is my instrument. Yeah. And this is true. Whether you're a singer or not, your body is an instrument um, because you make sounds all the time yeah. and to see it like that. And not to say it's an, ob- it's an object, but to see it as this mechanism that helps express yourself, um, you gain a self-awareness and, and a confidence that you know yourself um, maybe better than the people around you. So. Dang, girl. Ooh, I just love that. That was a juicy way to, to cap that off. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kristen. And yeah. I just want to share with um, everybody that Kristen does have a website. So I'll put her website in the show notes or the podcast notes, however you're viewing slash listening to this. And Kristen, is there anything that you'd like to leave folks with about how they can get in touch with you, et cetera? Absolutely. Reach out to me via my website. I'll also free. I'll give you my email address, um, which the website will bring you right to that email address as well. But um, I welcome, and I'm very passionate about this topic specifically with the pelvic floor, but also just singing in general. So I think there's a lot of work here that women particularly could benefit from. So if you're interested at all in the things that we talked about today, please reach out to me. There's a wealth of information out there that maybe isn't accessible yet. Um, maybe we can work together to make it so. Yeah. This is not really talked about. I don't know. It's, it's not cutting edge because this is primal. Like you said, the voice is primal. This is a tool that we've used throughout history to express ourselves and ah, just live our lives. But it, it also isn't something people generally think about when they're thinking about pelvic health and healing, or even just learning how to express themselves and manifest things into reality and find their confidence and find their voice. I mean, you don't think about voice training and voice coaching, but it can be so helpful. So definitely. Thank you again, my friend. This has been amazing. And I'll talk to you later and I'll talk to everyone else later as well. So goodbye, everyone. Thank Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to the entire show. If you loved this episode, please share it with a friend. Let her know how it helped you and what you learned and why she might like it too. And if you would like a free downloadable video portfolio that includes the inner core energizer routine that's found in my book, Lady Bits, 
plus the first seven days of my ab camp series, simply leave a review of this podcast on iTunes and then send a screenshot of of your review to me, Brienne, at femfusionfitness.com. Again, that's Brienne at femfusionfitness.com. I will personally get back to you with your free downloadable video portfolio. I will see you next time. And remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit.